Till I'm Tiptoed You Dot com The podcast about pop culture Black history and spirituality Yeah It's about to be a great vibe Dr. Tip Gonna take it away Till I'm Tiptoed You Hey y'all, hey, it's your girl Tip. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Tell Him Tip Told You, the podcast where I share with you all my musings about black history, black culture, and black spirituality. Listen, it ain't nothing like some drama in the black community to get your girl back on a regular posting schedule with the podcast, okay? All right. So you probably already can guess what I want to rant about today, and that is uh, Deion Sanders and his exploitation, I don't care what you say, um, of Jackson State University. So that's pretty much all this podcast is going to be about. Let's just get right into it. So yesterday, uh, we got to watch the game between Jackson State University and Southern University, uh, the battle for the SWAC championship. Congratulations to Jackson State University for coming out victorious in that game. You know, I think one of the most frustrating and angering things that I think about when I think about Deion Sanders' announcement that he's going to be going to Colorado was that he didn't even let his players have a full 24 hours of victory celebration. I want you to think about that right quick. Now, unless you've been on a rock, you know I'm talking about Deion Sanders has made the decision to leave Jackson State University and take his talents elsewhere to a larger PWI because he sees that as a better opportunity. And I'm using the words he used in the conversation with his players uh, after the game. He, he says it's an opportunity. OK. All right. Now, I know some of you are saying, oh, well, we knew he was going to leave. Oh, yeah, I knew he was going to leave. Yeah. OK, listen. I'm pretty sure all of us had some inkling that he would leave. But the idea that he would not even let his players fully celebrate, not even let his son fully celebrate before dropping that news at their feet. And let me tell you this. I truly believe the only reason he came out the came out with it then was because he had no choice. The news had already released it. All right. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me me back up some. Let me tell you what this podcast today, today's episode is. Today's episode is really about me. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a little bit because I want to. (laughs) And it's my podcast. Uh, Argue with your man, but not with me. But the other part of it is I, 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 it, it convicts me. This really, This thing has made me so angry that it has put me in an emotional state, not only about the specificity of this particular issue, but about what it represents more broadly for our communities and for our people, most specifically what it represents to me and my commitments to the community. And so this particular podcast is going to turn into two parts. The next part will be more about the generalities of HBCUs and what we need and the loyalty that it will take to keep our institutions safe and healthy. Um, This episode really is just going to be a rant. I'm sorry. I'm telling you in advance. That's what it is. I'm a Scorpio. And if you know anything about that sign, if you believe in this kind of stuff, we are loyal, extremely loyal. And so I'm coming to you. Let me let me be completely transparent and say loyalty matters a lot to me. 
It matters a lot to me. So that's part of my context. If you're new to me, you may not know that I'm an HBCU grad. I'm HBCU made. I'm an HBCU legacy. My parents graduated from HBCUs. My aunts and uncles, my cousins, my sister, my brother, hopefully my nephews. We are an HBCU family. That's part of the context that I'm speaking to you from. When I was a college dropout, the only institution that would take me back was an HBCU. That's part of the context I speak from. I'm employed by an HBCU. It's part of the context that I speak from. And I'm also pro-Black. So that's part of the context that I speak through. I want to be completely transparent and open with you that you are talking to someone incredibly loyal to these institutions. So I may feel about this a little bit more strongly than some of you. I also have the privilege of studying our institutions and their impact on some of our social uh, realities in the United States. And so that gives me a privileged glimpse at their uh, role in our communities. And so that's part of my context in speaking to you. And then the other part of this is I've made some sacrifices in my career because I'm dedicated to HBCUs. I'm going to talk about that probably more on the, the next podcast, but I want you to know that. Before I get started, I'm also, uh, as I said earlier, I use Black history, Black culture, and Black spirituality to work with my clients and with my students. It's a part of how I frame this podcast, and so I want to start with the history, if you'll allow me to do so, please. You know, in January, some of the same people I see defending Deion Sanders' uh, actions will be yelling and wearing t-shirts and celebrating and being in a day of service and marching Uh, for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And I don't have a problem with you celebrating him in that way. I do have a problem, though, if you trivialize his work by just celebrating the holiday and not knowing what the hell he talked about. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about Dr. King's words about poverty before I continue this conversation. And let me tell you why. I am, I'm 38 hot with those people trying to justify Deion Sanders' behavior by saying he's going to get paid more. I I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that because you're telling me capitalism means more to you than community. And if you feel that way, go ahead and turn off this podcast, unfollow me, and never talk to me again. If you think, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let Let me just... Okay, so I'm going to be reading a little bit from Dr. Martin Luther King's um, speech. And, you know, a lot of his speeches are written and you can Google them and you should read them for yourselves because uh, in in, in the United States, we tend to make our heroes bite sized. Right. We are microwave society. Some of us have turned towards superficial understanding of the commitments some of our leaders had. um, And because of that, we allow them to be diluted to a single quote or two. But Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. uh, was a learned man. He recorded many of his speeches. um, And it's important that we turn to uh, the philosophies of some of our intellectuals in moments like this as we discuss what has happened um, and where we should go. So I'm going to quote a little bit from his address called The Three Evils of Society. All right. This was delivered uh, at the National Conference on New Politics in 1967. Um, you can listen to it online. If you just Google it, you'll, you'll find recordings of it. Um, I'm just going to read to you a few parts of it. But in this speech, Dr. Martin Luther King said that there were three evils 
that we had to do with way with. Number one was racism. Number three was materialism. But I want to draw your attention to what he said was the second aspect of our afflicted society. All right, you ready? Hold on to your seats, those of you who like Cadillacs and furs, who want to have Instagram photos from Tulum, who think Deion Sanders made a better decision because he walked away from $300,000 to go to an estimated $5 million plus. Uh, Dr. King said the second, and I'm quoting, the second aspect of our afflicted society is extreme materialism. Did y'all hear me? See, King understood that white supremacy is a multi-pronged system. And one of its effects is extreme materialism. He says, and I quote, excuse me, we have diluted ourselves into believing the myth that capitalism grew and prospered out of the Protestant ethic of hard work and sacrifice. See, a lot of y'all think Dion did what coaches are supposed to do because capitalism and white supremacy has diluted our belief. Okay, so let me keep going. He says, the fact is that capitalism was built on the exploitation and suffering of black enslaved people. Now, he says slaves, but you know how I go. The fact is that capitalism was built on the exploitation and suffering of black enslaved people and continues to thrive on the exploitation of the poor. All right, let's go back to what Deion Sanders has done and let's talk a little bit about how y'all are justifying his behaviors. Now, a lot of you keep saying, go to the bag, get the money. Loyalty never paid a bill. I'm talking about real life black folk I have seen saying these things. And I believe that you're only saying them because we have diluted ourselves into believing the myth of capitalism. If capitalism was good for our people, these HBCUs would not exist. The founders of these institutions didn't found institutions just to make money. They founded institutions for the health of our people. Do you think Deion Sanders is thinking about the health of our people? He didn't wait a full 24 hours for his players to enjoy the victory that came from their hard work and labor. He used them. Now, some people have hit me with the, wouldn't you leave your job if, if somebody offered you that much more money? Probably not. If, I'm, uh, if I am a multimillionaire, which he is, with existing endorsements to make continued money, which he has, no, I wouldn't. Sure not. Ask that question to somebody else. I told y'all I'm loyal. I also know what these institutions do. And let me also say that I am not alone. I work with colleagues every day who are here and in it. I told you I'm speaking from the context of an HBCU faculty member. I am in it because of what these institutions can do, have done, and, con- and will continue to do if I got blood in my body for our people. Do you understand? What I, there, you can't, no, not all of us. You know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and he said everybody has a price. I don't disagree with that. Everybody has a price. In fact, he said it <laughs> with a lot less tact. He said, we all hoes. If you don't understand black vernacular English, African-American vernacular English, let me just say, we're all whores. 
We're all prostitutes. Everyone has a price. Some of us just have higher prices. Now, I'm not going to say there would never be a time that I would leave a job for a higher paying job. I'm not going to say that. I won't pretend to do that. I'm not hypocritical. But I can tell you that if my family is set, I probably would not do anything that I thought would negatively impact my students. I just wouldn't. And I know there are a lot of people like, you know, teachers don't teach to make money. <laughs> you got some teacher friends. You know, we, te- we don't teach to make money. Think about the teacher friends you have. Do you think they're going to hurt their kids just for a dollar? No, not all of us are built like that. And I also want to remind you that the problem that most of us have about Deion Sanders choosing to leave Jackson State and to go somewhere else is how he did it, not what he did. He, now y'all keep saying he said he was going to leave. He said that this season, in the middle of this season. He didn't say that when he was trying to get the job. He didn't say it when Florida State was saying you couldn't, you can't coach here. He didn't say it when NCAA said you ain't got no degree from your beloved PWI. So you got to go get one from Talladega. Uh, He didn't say it then. What he did was cried in front of us and said that this was about the culture, that God sent him on a mission. And now y'all see him shucking and jiving, trying to clean it up, talking about his black players at Colorado. Yes, his black players at Colorado, but you said God sent you to Jackson State. Let me say something to y'all. We cannot afford to teach our children that they deserve to be exploited or that that exploitation should be normalized. It wasn't Florida State that came back and said, Prime, here's a degree so you can coach. It wasn't Florida State that gave him his opportunity. That was our institution. What players won him that championship yesterday? The ones that look like us? What players did he shit on not even five hours after the game? The ones that look like us? And then he sat there giving ahistorical information, talking about this is what coaches do. No, baby, you normalizing some other stuff. That ain't what HBCU uh, coaches tend to do. Let them have a winning season. They not really trying to go nowhere. Y'all, Eddie Robinson didn't leave after a championship. Some of y'all owe Eddie Robinson Jr. an apology when he said you ain't swag. Listen, some of us believe that all that glitters is gold. Y'all, y'all the same Negroes. I haven't forgotten, and I pay attention to who says what on my social media. Some of y'all Negroes are the same ones that would try to say Kanye was playing chess until he got so ridiculously foolish uh, the last couple of weeks. Now you're trying to distance yourself from previous attempts to protect him and talk about we just didn't understand. He's complicated. It's more nuanced than that. That's what y'all doing for Prime? Y'all want to act like celebrity and money means integrity and intelligence, and it don't. And it don't. See, I know that our institute, go, go Google the stats of what HBCUs do. These institutions must be protected. 
And if someone who is worth an estimated $40 million will not protect them, I'm saying stop telling that man, I wish you will. I hope he lose every single game for the rest of his life. And you can tell him I told him. I hope, I hope the AD at Jackson State don't let him coach in the next game. How you going to show up the night of at the new school? Y'all don't see that as disrespectful. He threw the money on the dresser and left. Do you know that that's what that was? He threw, he threw the money on the dresser and left. Said peace on the way out the door. That's what he did to our baby. And because a lot of y'all defending him haven't said a cat rat dog about how these students are impacted. Students who change the trajectory of their life through choices related to following him. When he sat with people's parents and said, I will take care of them. He can't take care of them if he gone, y'all. What's your price? Go on and let us. I, I feel like everybody defending Deion Sanders in this moment needs to go on and name their price. Because all y'all for sale. I ain't that cheap. I'm sorry. But y'all done told on yourselves. You, I, if I go through my social media right now, not nary one of y'all defending him has talked about the students. And let me say this. All y'all keep saying he did so much from Jackson. You name me a lasting legacy beyond a season or two. Name me a let. Le- this Negro was out here trying to get us to change where, uh, <laughs> y'all, I can't. I really can't. He's trying to tell. He was trying to tell us where to play classics. When his black ass knew he wasn't gonna be there no more. The impact on tradition he was trying to have when he knew he wasn't gonna be there anymore. Let me tell you something. There are two things. There's enculturation and there's acculturation. Enculturation is the the acquisition of culture from inside your cultural group. It's about how we teach folk to be black, in other words. HBCUs enculturate HBCU culture. You can't learn that from somewhere else. Y'all let him come in here. And he did. he, He drew a lot of attention to HBCUs. Good, bad, or indifferent, he did do that. All right. They sold the hell out some tickets this year. But I want to ask you what the lasting impact of that is. We had a boom in HBCU enrollment that in some ways I think was affected by. Y'all know I called it the the Deion Sanders phenomenon. So we did have a boom in enrollment this year. But but what happened as a result of that increased enrollment? North Carolina A&T got their budget cut uh, about $11 million because they had too many out-of-state students. Glenda Glover got called before the state to explain why TSU had as many students as they did. All of the in, of attention that he called to our institutions wasn't necessarily good attention. Are we ready for that part of the conversation? When you're talking about he made an impact, what is the lasting impact? He argued that the players needed their names on the back of the jerseys. Now that he's gone and some of his friends' money is going to leave with him, who's going to pay for that? 
What's the end? What did, did he, he did he establish a major on campus? Did he start a center? Did he write a book? What is his? Y'all keep saying he did so much. What did he do? He put, I read something where somebody foolish said he put Jackson State on the map. Baby, have you never heard of HBCU football? Jackson State didn't need him to be put on the map. They've been on the map. They've been on, ask anybody who goes, went to Jackson State University. They didn't need him for that. And quiet as it's kept, listen, we, listen, y'all, we really don't know what his coaching ability looks like. Can we be honest? Can, can some real sports fans listen to me right quick? We don't know what his coaching ability looks like. There are many of us who have said for many years, if we could draw top players to our institutions, these programs would do miraculous things. The magic wasn't Dion. The magic was who he attracted. The players are the magic, not him. Now, don't give him that credit. These, these boys that he's walking away from, they're the magic. And if y'all sat and listened to him talk to those cheering after, <laughs> listen, I wanted to go through the TV. When you basically telling them you're going to pick and choose who to take with you, do you know what that can, listen, I, you better talk to somebody who teach at an HBCU. You better talk to somebody who mentors young people and ask them, do our children deserve Someone who sees them as that disposable. Listen, I said it last week in a meeting. I'll say it to God himself. Everybody doesn't belong at an HBCU. Everybody does not deserve to teach at an HBCU. Everybody should not have access to our babies. And y'all can get mad because he was on your favorite team. You got his jersey and you used to listen to them songs. But I want you to ask yourself, what is the lasting impact? Ticket sales, that's the lasting impact. A locker room, that's the lasting impact. Beyond those, those few things, a winning season, okay. There, there haven't been other HBCUs with winning seasons before. Come on, y'all, let, let's be. He put the money on the dresser and left you. And some of y'all are defending it. And this is, this is not a dig in the face of sex workers. Let's get beyond that. I'm just using an analogy that many of us can relate to. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm going to go in and end this episode here because I, I just can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I can't. Let me see. Did I cover everything? I asked y'all what your price is. I just want to, the last thing I, that's on my list is to ask y'all, when we going to learn? When are we going to learn? That white water ain't wetter. Because some of y'all keep saying he wants to play for a power five school. And it's about about it. It's an opportunity. That's what he said. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to do what? To build our community? To invest in institutions that have invested in us? To go to a place that deserves to be your first choice? Okay, well, whatever. Y'all can be mad at me if you want to. I said what I wanted to say. Don't try me. Like I said, argue with your mammy, not with me. Next episode, next week, I really want to talk about, I, 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 now that the anger is out, 
I really want to talk about what it means to be an institution builder. Not all of us are those things. And I think my biggest disappointment in Deion Sanders is that he pretended to be about it. He pretended to be an institution builder. He pretended to have commitment to these institutions. He pretended to have commitment to the culture. When in reality, much like your brother Ye, his definition of success lacks melanin. All right? He's not chasing the pinnacle of our championships. He's chasing something that don't look like us and using us to get there. I need for you to have some, some, some I don't know what to call it. I, I just, I, I want y'all to be upset that he exploited these babies. Think about this. I want you to think about, you just played your heart out. There may already be rumors on campus, but he didn't coach the hell out of you this game and your adrenaline's still flowing. You just won the championship. Your school hadn't seen that. You just, you just, and then he tells you it's time to move on. I want you to think about that, that you may have turned down other offers to be there. I want you to think about what that probably felt like to our students. So if your conversation, if your rebuttal to this podcast starts with the money, and not with the students, you can go straight to hell and tell them I said to take you there, okay? Anyway, I promise next week I'll be a lot more calm. I'll have more information. I might even bring on a guest or two to talk about what historically black colleges and universities have done for our community. Some of you may not understand why I'm so angry. Some of you might not understand. Do you know I'm trying to end this episode, y'all. But do you know, that during the Civil Rights Movement, there are stories about activists having to run, like try to escape from white terrorists and find safety on historically black colleges and university campuses? Did you know that? Like physically, these have been harbors of safety. Historically, these places have literally been safe spaces for our bodies and our minds. And I don't care who you are, you don't get to play with that. Anyway, tell them to tell you. Y'all have a good one.